You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. All right, welcome to the Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. I'm Imogen. And I'm Lauren. It's the end of July, and we are calling in from different cities because summer. I'm in Houston, home of the new Flatiron School. Lauren, you're in Philadelphia? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Well, we're going to talk about a new Philadelphia boot camp in a few minutes. Um, and then, Imogen, you're holding it down in New York. That's right. Yep. I'm in our Brooklyn office. Fantastic. Well, if you haven't tuned in before, welcome to the Course Report podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss all of the news published about coding boot camps each month. Uh, we'll also publish a summary of this news roundup on our blog with links to all of the articles that we mention. Uh, we basically are reading all of the news alerts in our Google News Alerts so that you don't have to. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, go to coursereport.com, subscribe, and we will let you know when we publish future episodes of this podcast. All right, so let's dive in. Who raised money this month? Yeah, so this month we saw some exciting fundraisers and acquisitions in the bootcamp space, plus one settlement between a bootcamp and its instructors. So Lauren, can you tell us which school raised a few million recently? Indianapolis, Indiana-based training and apprenticeship program Kinsey Academy raised $4.2 million in seed funding from Buck Hill Capital, Gratitude Railroad, Rethink Education, and Learn Capital. Kinsey Academy is a two-year program that currently focuses on software engineering skills, and the second year of the program is actually an apprenticeship program where students work in the Kinsey Studio, which is the company's consulting arm. And they are actually planning to offer curriculum around user experience and design, as well as digital marketing. The program costs $24,000 per year, and students can choose an income share agreement, which allows students to delay tuition payments until they complete the program and land a job that pays at least $40,000. Awesome news. And then, Liz, this Galvanize Hack Reactor acquisition is pretty exciting. And I think you read a bunch of articles and spoke to the Galvanize CEO, right? Yeah, Imogen, this has to be the biggest news of the month, right? It was covered by Reuters, EdSurge, American Inno. So I'd be surprised if our listeners missed it. But if you didn't know, these are two pretty huge schools. Galvanize is a Denver-based boot camp, but they've got campuses all over the U.S. They've raised about $100 million total in venture capital. And Galvanize isn't disclosing the details of this deal, but they raised $32 million and they say that they use some of that to buy Hack Reactor. So I'm guessing that the purchase price was either less than or more than $32 million, if that clears anything up. <laughs> Hack Reactor is a San Francisco-based boot camp, but they've also got online campuses um, and they've been called the Harvard of coding boot camps. I think this consolidation makes a lot of sense from a business perspective but I also sat down with Galvanize's CEO, Al Rosabal, to find out what this would mean for students. So if you are a student thinking about going to Hack Reactor or Galvanize, there are a few things you can expect right off the bat. Uh, first, you can expect to see 
the two brands remain separate, but you should expect to see Hack Reactor called Hack Reactor at Galvanize. That'll be the new name. And then Galvanize has always offered a data science program. Um, they bought Zipfian, which was a data science school a couple of years ago. And so data science is going to open in Hack Reactor's LA campus. So that'll be a big new thing. And the third thing that I thought was really interesting after talking to Al was that uh, Galvanize is shortening their software engineering immersive. So they've always been 24 weeks long, about six months. They're shortening that to 18 weeks. Apparently, they had been planning that for a while, but I did not know that. So we'll let you know if, uh, you know, if anything changes or if we get more clarity around any of these, this kind of merger or acquisition. Um, but yeah, very big news. Yeah, that's so exciting. And then in other kind of money-related news, General Assembly, one of the biggest coding boot camps with campuses around the world, has agreed to pay $1 million to 1,200 former and current instructors after they accused the school of misclassifying them as independent contractors and failed to pay them minimum and overtime wages. Um, This suit was filed in the California Federal Court. So the debate about whether you need to go to college to be a developer continued in July with a number of journalists looking at what sorts of jobs Americans can get without a degree. Liz, tell us what advice iProgrammer gives about choosing between college and boot camp. Yeah, so Janet Swift from a site called iProgrammer reported on a new survey from DigitalOcean about developer trends. They basically surveyed 5,000 developers who are currently working. Um, 15% of respondents had taken a coding bootcamp, and the main reason being that they thought a bootcamp would provide them with better skills and experience than college would. And while 61% of respondents who had attended a bootcamp felt well-prepared, this was only true for 36% of college graduates, which kind of indicates that people that go to a bootcamp feel more prepared for the job market than college graduates. Uh, When they asked employers, 55% of hiring managers said they make no distinction between boot camp and college students. Uh, But I think about 23% of uh, employers had actually hired from a boot camp. Um, So they're still kind of ramping up in terms of hiring managers making those actual hires from boot camps. So that's an interesting survey. And then CNBC looked at ZipRecruiter stats, which show that technical skills that don't require a degree are really in demand. Reporter Carmen Reniki looks at new collar jobs and how people without a degree can potentially increase their salaries to over $100,000 with skills from a coding bootcamp. Carmen talks to a Flatiron School graduate who is making $20,000 more than she could have before bootcamp and to a grad of IBM's apprenticeship program who had no degree and is now making double his previous salary. There was an opinion piece in Real Clear Education looking at how students should be treated as consumers when it comes to education. So Carol D'Amico, who served in the U.S. Department of Education as the Assistant Secretary for Adult and Vocational Education and is now the Executive Vice President for Mission Advancement and Philanthropy with Strata Education Network, believes that like coding boot camps, colleges should start by being judged by their student outcomes rather than faculty credentials and the quality of the institutions through accreditation. So after surveying college freshmen, 85% indicated that they are pursuing higher education to obtain a good job. However, less than 30% report having that job upon graduation, 
And only 26% of working Americans with college experience strongly agree that their education is relevant to their work and daily life. So those are some really interesting numbers. Yeah, Lauren, that is such a neat perspective. And I love how many uh, surveys and kind of case studies there are this month. Uh, Here's another interesting case study. It was in the Seattle Times in July. Essentially, the city of Seattle gave grant money to two apprenticeship programs last year. Launch Code and Apprenti. Launch Code spent about a million dollars out of their $3.8 million grant, but they were only able to place four of their apprentices, so they closed their Seattle and Portland campuses early. Apprenti, on the other hand, has been so successful that it expanded to other states. And so Catherine Long of the Seattle Times dives into why. I'll let you read this piece on your own so you can make your own judgments, but what I took away is that it just really proves that market fit is so important when bootcamp style programs expand. Launch Code and Apprenti aren't necessarily like strictly coding bootcamps, but certainly are in the space. So yeah, understanding like employer needs before you move to a new market um, and like making sure that your students are actually going to get placed is so important before you open doors. Okay, so next up, I read an article by conservative columnist Peter Marici, who writes in Tribune Live about how Trump wants to merge the Department of Labor and the Department of Education. Peter thinks it makes sense because right now there is a disconnect between educational institutes and practical jobs, and a merger could align the goals of education with those of the labor force. Peter advocates for vocational training and apprenticeships and mentions the sorts of salaries coding bootcamp grads can get, citing course report stats about bootcamps. He says that bringing the two departments together could help achieve Trump's goal to increase the number of apprenticeships around the country from 500,000 to 5 million. All right. So those were a lot of industry updates. Let's call out a few really successful alumni that got some press in July. Lauren, tell us about the student from Perscolis. CBS Money Watch profiled Dark Boykin, a college dropout who was working at the Uniqlo Megastore in NYC before attending Perscolis and General Assembly's free 12-week CodeBridge program. He's actually now developing JavaScript tools for an e-commerce company, tutors students in coding part-time, and is close to buying an apartment in the New York area. Plino Ayala, CEO of Prescolis, the Bronx nonprofit that trains high school graduates for these kinds of jobs, states, if you view technology not as a sector but as a function, there are jobs that exist in every part of our economy. What we're trying to do here is build the new middle class. And Philly.com writer Annabelle Williams went to the Demo Day for Penn Bootcamp in Philadelphia. Of course, this is a trilogy school. They're partnering with the University of Pennsylvania. At that Demo Day, she met Michael McVeigh, who used to moonlight as a grave digger at West Laurel Hill Cemetery, which makes for a great before-after story. But uh, So then last year, he enrolled in the Penn LPS coding boot camp, and he's now working as a software developer at 21P STEM, which is an educational software firm in Conshohocken. Then Military.com profiles a code platoon student who was a former Marine. Scott Plunkett is an Iraq war veteran who got a degree from Northeastern, then ended up taking a job in sales. But after seeing an ad for Code Platoon, he decided to enroll in the 14-week coding program, which is especially for vets, and he has now become an assistant instructor at the boot camp. Today Online profiled a successful student from 42 Code School in Paris. As we've talked about before, 42 is super competitive, and it took Brian Young about four months to secure a place. 
So Brian shares how he dropped out of college to go through the four-week intensive interest test, how he worked through individual and group projects to learn essential coding skills, and how students use Google to answer questions rather than asking teachers. Brian revealed that the only drawbacks were staying motivated in a program you didn't have to pay for, and that students who break rules can end up cleaning toilets. So Brian is now actually a software developer intern at Inasis Technology Berhad, a software and systems firm in his home country of Singapore. That's cool to hear about a 42 grad because I feel like it's such a long program that there aren't all that many grads yet. But that's so crazy they have to clean toilets. So next up, we always hear about coding boot camps in capital cities and tech hubs around the world. But what is happening in less, quote, techie areas? This month, we heard about people learning to code in a very diverse range of places in the US and overseas. So Liz, tell us what's happening in West Michigan. Yeah, so this is actually a guest post by the Michigan Workforce Development Department in the Sentinel Standard. They rounded up five training programs that can help prepare somebody with no IT experience for an entry-level position in tech in Michigan. And so they highlight Grand Circus, The Factory, and New Horizons. And then two that I hadn't really thought of as coding boot camps, but nonetheless are super interesting, Goodwill's Technology Certification Program and Google's IT Support Professional Certification. So all very interesting pathways into tech if you're in the West Michigan area. So we've heard about this school before, but it's worth mentioning again because it's doing some important work. So Forbes looks at the tech scene in Mexico City and how some deportees are going to Ola Code Bootcamp. Oftentimes, deportees and returnees who have spent significant amounts of time in the U.S. have serious trouble procuring employment. Since the experience and education they receive in the U.S. does not always transfer neatly to Mexico. So when returnees do find employment, they are usually forced to accept a salary that is at or below Mexico's average, which is about 13,000 pesos, which um, equates to about $843 a month. But fortunately, once a student at Ola Code has been admitted to the program, they're immersed in this intensive 20-week course that trains them in tech and prepares them to be placed in high-paying jobs. The cost of the program is deferred until students secure a job in tech that pays over 20,000 pesos a month, which is a salary that allows students to both live comfortably and give back to Ola Code. And then Thomson Reuters publication Zawia looks at how coding initiatives like boot camps are training more than 16,000 youth across Europe, the Middle East and Africa to help close the region's skills gap. The article mentions coding initiatives in Egypt, Greece, Iraq, Jordan, the Palestinian territories, Lebanon and Turkey. So let's hear about some of those boot camps in those areas. Sure. Well, I love hearing this kind of story. According to the Hindu, a coding bootcamp called the Asha Bootcamp is for women engineers who are currently on a career break and considering resuming work. It's run by a software firm called Aviva. And Falguni Shah, HR business partner for Aviva, said, quote, our India workforce currently comprises of 30% women. The goal is to increase that figure by encouraging and supporting women in technical roles, Uh, end quote. I think that's so important because it's not just about getting women into tech, it's getting women who have some experience in tech, but who have left the sector for some reason um, to come back and to keep women in tech for you know a long amount of time. 
So the ASHA Bootcamp is in Hyderabad, India, and also in Hyderabad, your story profiled the founder of Mount Blue, which is a coding bootcamp that teaches JavaScript, Python, and React. And after they graduate, Mount Blue engineers are deployed at startups, and then they're on their payroll for 12 months. So essentially, startups are paying Mount Blue a certain fee to utilize its talent pool, um, and then the rest is paid a salary to the developers. It's an interesting business model. The Guardian profile Gaza Sky Geeks Code Academy, the first coding school in Gaza City, Palestine, launched by tech hub and co-working space Gaza Sky Geeks. With tight restrictions on the movement of goods and people, it's been the death of much professional industries within this area. But Gaza's first coding academy hopes its high-tech business model, which operates in the virtual rather than the real world, will be somewhat immune to physical barriers to trade. So with funding from international charities such as Mercy Corps and significant tech world players like Google, the Academy provides two basic requirements its students need for a freelance career developing websites and apps, internet and electricity. So Gaza Sky Geek's engagement and development manager, Abu Aweda, states, in quotes, our end goal is to use tech as a gateway. Gaza could be the next Berlin or Dublin. We have the talent and the price for us is a little bit less than others. We can deliver. And he warns against dismissing this dream and says that the conditions there are thriving for a freelance coding community to develop. So next up, News24 reports that an ex-convict in South Africa who taught himself to code when he was released is now teaching school dropouts how to code with his coding school, Quirky30. He says that he realized that many ex-cons have great business savvy, which they previously used for illegal purposes, but that knowledge can now transfer into legal business applications if people have the right skills. Paying for bootcamp is always a hot topic, and as more and more bootcamps launch novel ways of paying tuition, like income sharing agreements, we are seeing more press around how those work and whether they're actually good for students. Liz, tell us about that deep dive that Atlantic did. Okay, so ISA's income sharing agreements are huge right now. Boot camps love them because they make their school more accessible up front to students that don't have like $15,000 sitting around. And then students love them because they kind of align the incentives of a school with their own to get a job. So you don't get a job, then you can't pay your ISA. So kind of aligns those incentives. But Lindsay Gelman of The Atlantic did a fantastic deep dive this July about these ISAs. I think she recognizes that ISAs have the potential to really change the way that educators and education companies relate to students and kind of work with students. But what this piece indicated to me is that ISAs are very much in their nascency. Uh, The piece focuses mostly on Lambda School and a couple of students who use their ISA. Um, And in comparing a couple of ISAs, Lindsay points out that there's very little consensus about how much is fair to take from program graduates and for how long. Lambda School, for example, requires graduates earning at least $50,000 to pay back 17% of their salary for two years, with total payments capped at $30,000. But those terms can vary widely among programs um, and for different students. And so, you know, there's kind of a lot of excitement about ISAs, but also potential for a little bit of controversy. 
So Liz, what did those Lambda School students say after graduating? Yeah, I'm not sure anyone has actually graduated yet and used the ISA from Lambda School, but this Atlantic piece does speak to Aaron Coe, who graduated from a program called PathRise. He's 22 and he switched from a $68,000 a year coding job to a position at an e-commerce startup called Ipsy. They're kind of a Birchbox competitor uh, where he makes more than $100,000. So big salary jump. But here's how the Atlantic piece describes it. They say, quote, the 7% payback rate, which is what students pay back to uh, PathRise when they graduate, seemed fair to him given the salary bump. And he's satisfied with his new job. But Aaron pointed out that since California taxes are so high, his PathRise payments represented about 11% of his post-tax income. He says that part is a little bit misleading. Wu said that he is exploring how the program might be tax deductible for students as like a job search expense, which is another kind of area that's a bit of a gray area is how we can claim boot camps on our taxes. But yeah, that's just one example. So it sounds like there's still a lot of regulation to be figured out then. Yeah, there's some serious potential for kind of predatory behavior here, uh, in addition to like a lot of excitement about those ISAs. According to the article, which I did not know about, two bills were introduced in Congress last year, one in the Senate and one in the House of Representatives that would establish basic rules for ISAs, like a cap on total payments. Both of those have been stalled in both the Senate and the House and I mean, in today's regulatory uh, environment, not expected to proceed with those anytime soon. But I think that is a really important next step for ISAs and deferred tuition. And then an article in Bakersfield looks at an example of someone who actually used deferred tuition as well. So Bakersfield profiles WinCode graduate Calvin Sims, who didn't actually finish college. And then he used deferred tuition to go to coding boot camp in Miami. He now works for WinCode's in-house consulting agency, WinTalent, making $8,000 more than his old job. The article also looks at the demand for tech skills in Miami and the current very low unemployment rate. Obviously, ISAs and deferred tuition are huge in the coding bootcamp industry, but the Associated Press reported some colleges are actually adopting that option, taking ISAs straight from that coding bootcamp playbook. In the past decade, technical training programs like coding boot camps have used this type of funding largely because participants do not have access to the federal student loans. For some students, income share agreements are seen as less risky, especially if they end up in a lower paying job or struggle to find work after graduation. Students who are unemployed or earning below a certain threshold also won't have to pay anything back. Norwich University in Northfield, Vermont is the latest university to provide ISAs and joins others like Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Okay, so tons of talk this month about ISAs and deferred tuition. We will keep our eyes peeled for other think pieces and and kind of news around that in future months. And of course, none of any of this matters if coding boot campers aren't actually getting hired. So we saw a number of journalists this month talk about the job market for boot camp grads, including two surveys looking at stats around hiring and training. So Lauren, we talked a little bit about the Digital Ocean survey before, but do you want to tell us a few more stats from that? Sure. So a few publications actually covered these stats. Tech Republic, IT World Canada, and San Diego Times, as well as DICE. And so they highlighted DigitalOcean's last quarterly report on developer trends in the cloud. They surveyed around 5,000 tech professionals, and here are some of the highlights from the report. 
23% of hiring managers have filled jobs with coding bootcamp candidates. Younger hiring managers seem to prefer coding bootcamp graduates, while older ones are either neutral or a little bit wary. 10% of hiring managers aged 55 to 64 said that they had an extremely negative viewpoint of coding boot camps. Also, tech professionals who attended a boot camp in place of a four-year college program, 28% of them did so because a boot camp provided better skills and experience, and 27% did it as a faster means of entry into the workforce. And then a survey by Coding Dojo looks at where people think the responsibility lies for upskilling people with tech skills, whether that's with employers or individual workers. 90% of survey respondents believed that employers had the primary responsibility to improve upskilling initiatives in the workplace. And 56% of respondents believed employers were not preparing workers adequately with future forward tech skills. 34% thought employers should invest in upskilling non-tech workers, and only 10% thought it was an individual's responsibility, not their employers, to improve their tech skills. So this is kind of an interesting survey considering the amount of corporate training initiatives that are going on at the moment. Two ThoughtWorks recruiters wrote for Fast Company in July about what they look for in software developers, and the first quality they point out is determination. They say, Quote, to be a software developer, you don't necessarily have to have a computer science degree. Maybe you taught yourself to code in your free time, which tells me something much more powerful, that you're committed to learning your craft and determining to succeed. In fact, I've noticed recently that some of our most successful graduate hires in Australia have come to us through an intensive coding boot camp. And what they sometimes lack in technical ability, they make up for with drive. Uh, skills from elsewhere in their academic careers and previous work experience tend to be transferable as long as they've got grit and determination. So a great, great words about coding boot campers from ThoughtWorks. Yeah, that's a good piece. And then a guest post in Entrepreneur by Launch Indiana founder John Weschler looks at why your next hire should be a coding bootcamp graduate. The author mentions the diversity of graduates, the eagerness to learn, and the soft skills they have. Imogen, didn't you do a similar piece on employer advice this month? Yes, I published a piece all about how to hire a coding bootcamp grad with quotes and advice from 12 different employers who have successfully hired coding bootcamp grads. And talking about what employers want, Technically Philly talks to coding boot camps about the most sought after coding language skills in 2018. So Java is heavily used for application building in the financial services industry and leads the other languages with around 62,000 job postings across the country. Python, a general purpose language, has seen a steady uptick in usage over the past eight years and claimed the number two spot of languages needed. For Philadelphia specifically, the top languages include Java, JavaScript, Python, C Sharp, and Swift. And finally, Tech Republic put together a cheat sheet to getting a career in software development. If you're really new to your research about coding boot camps and kind of your journey to getting into tech, I definitely suggest this. It's a nice overview of the types of jobs that you can get in tech and how to get there. Of course, they mentioned coding boot camps as one option to start your journey. So lots of great advice about getting into tech there. Check out all those articles on the blog. Now, let's take a look at what new bootcamp campuses and updates were announced in July. Lauren, tell us what's happening at We Think Code in South Africa. 
Coding School We Think Code and Female Entrepreneur Network, Oria Venture, brought the world's largest startup competition focusing on women in technology to South Africa in July. So She Loves Tech, which started in 2013 by Lean in China in Beijing, quickly spread to over 14 cities across the world. And this year, it held its inaugural African sessions in Nairobi and Cape Town. For the session in Cape Town, they hosted a women-themed hackathon where teams focused on hacking solutions that combat youth unemployment, healthcare, and education, which are all problems deeply relevant to South Africans. Virginia Tan, the founder of She Loves Tech, stated, A hackathon is a great format for encouraging teams that normally may not have had the courage to pursue their impactful ideas. We Think Code not only is run by a powerful woman, but is also one of the foremost institutions in encouraging women in STEM, so we knew that they were the perfect partner to bring this very important mission to South Africa. So that's a really great initiative. Definitely check out She Loves Tech events because they are worldwide. Love that. Well, in Houston, Andrea Leinfelder of the Houston Chronicle wrote about the launch of a new big data bootcamp. This is a collaboration between Rice University's Glasscock School of Continuing Studies and Trilogy Education, which we have already talked about in this podcast. Uh, it's going to be called Rice University Data Analytics Bootcamp. I talked to Andrea as she was writing this article, and my advice is always the same for Trilogy Bootcamps. Do the same amount of research and vetting that you would do for a hack reactor or a flat iron school or any of these non-university associated coding boot camps. Um, just because they're associated with the university, that's not like a pass to not having to do research about them. But it's very cool to see the boot camp model applied directly to big data and another boot camp in Houston. So pretty neat. And then We Can Code It, a low-cost coding bootcamp with established campuses in Cleveland and Columbus, Ohio, is opening a new campus in Ashtabula County in Ohio. The Star Beacon talks to Greg Myers, the executive director of Growth Partnership for Ashtabula County, who says he is contacting local employers to see if they want to partner with We Can Code It to sponsor scholarships for students. The Hawaii Technology Development Corps Innovate Hawaii program is now an approved provider of the Hawaii Department of Labor, Industrial Relations, Employment, and Training Fund. So through this ETF micro program, local companies can receive up to 50% off total tuition costs for debt leads, JavaScript, or cybersecurity prep course. These month-long courses cost around $735 and $499, respectively. So Robbie Melton, the executive director and CEO of HTDC states, with Innovate Hawaii as an ETF provider, HTDC can better support local companies that want to invest in their employees. And through this program, we're able to enhance workforce development for our state's growing tech sector. Thanks to financial support from DLIR, employers can reduce their costs, and it's an impactful way to invest in their employees as well as their businesses. So congrats to Dev League in Hawaii. That's great news. American Inno and Atlanta Business Journals report that Flatiron School will open a campus in Atlanta, which is going to be their fifth location. In addition to the expansion, Flatiron School has partnered with Atlanta-based Opportunity Hub to offer a million dollars in scholarships per year for students of color across the country. Uh, so a very cool way to launch in Atlanta. Flatiron CEO Adam Enbar says that they will be building the pipeline into jobs at companies that are based in Atlanta, like 
Calendly, MailChimp, Coca-Cola, and Delta. And one thing to note, Flatiron will offer their data science immersive in person at the Atlanta campus. It's usually online, but for students in Atlanta, they can take the data science immersive there. And then CodeUp co-founder Jason Strauen has become the CEO of the San Antonio-based coding bootcamp. An article in the San Antonio Business Journal looks at his vision for CodeUp and how it now accepts the GI Bill. Fantastic. Okay, a lot of good updates. Uh, Lauren, do you want to go through all of the schools that we added to the course report directory in July? Of course. So we've added the Coding Bootcamp at UCR Extension in Riverside, California, Coding Autism, which is online, Tuit, which is in Quezon City, Philippines, Gaza Sky Geeks Code Academy, which is in Gaza City, Palestine, Codica, which is in London, England, and then Umuzi Academy, which is in Johannesburg, South Africa. Wonderful. Well, welcome to all of those schools. And let's wrap it up today by talking about our favorite pieces that we published on the Course Report blog. Imogen, do you want to talk about your favorite piece? Sure. So I actually had two favorite pieces this month. I enjoyed working on two video pieces that we published on our YouTube channel and on our blog in July. The first one was with James, who is a graduate of New York Code and Design Academy, who started his own web development agency. And the second video is with Bernard, a Hack Reactor graduate, who is now a software developer at Consumer Reports. Both graduates told us about how they made sure that they were successful at boot camp and also why they each felt coding boot camp was worth the time and the money. Yeah, I love those pieces, Imogen, um, because it's like a very uh, short to the point uh, look at whether a boot camp was worth it for those two very different students. And I think a lot of our readers can relate to those. My favorite piece was, I mean, we've already talked about the Galvanize and Hack Reactor acquisition, and I really enjoyed talking with their CEO, Al Rosabal. He's new as their CEO this year in 2018. Um, So check that out if you're interested in anything about Galvanize and Hack Reactor. But I also spoke to another Denver bootcamp grad in July. Her name was Mimi. She went to Turing School. She was a really great example of somebody who just commits fully to their goals. She moved from LA to Denver for Turing, and then she moved to Phoenix for her new job at Tuft and Needle, which is amazing. I just thought that Mimi was a great example of how far someone can go with a boot camp when they put their all into it. So if you need a little boost of confidence or a reminder, like how amazingly you can do after a boot camp read Mimi's piece. And Lauren, what was your favorite piece to work on? It was really great to interview a coding bootcamp prep course grad this month. So I spoke with Sarah, a graduate of First Step Coding's eight-week prep course. Sarah was actually a high school English teacher for about six years before realizing that she was more excited about the way technology could support education. And she wanted to transition into a more logical problem-solving role. So she attended First Step Coding, and now she's moving from Boston to San Francisco to attend full-time coding boot camp Rhythm School in September. So go Sarah. Such a cool story, and I feel like we're getting more and more questions about prep courses, so we'll have to do a comparison about those courses soon. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, all of our listeners. As always, we love feedback, so please email us at hello at coursereport.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, please help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. And we will see you in August. 
on the Course Report Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. Bye. Bye.